Welcome to PIWC Worcester's podcast. Thank you for joining us. We pray that in your time spent with us, you will be blessed and edified even as we grow in faith. Please enjoy and may the Spirit illuminate your hearts. Shout a big amen. Oh, a big amen. amen. We want to bless the Lord for today and the great opportunity given us to once again be gathered at his feet and to learn of him even as he edifies our souls, our spirits, and sanctifies our bodies. Uh, those of you that were with us last week know that we have started a series which we have entitled the Church Series. And the plan is that we'll go through the seven churches that John the Apostle was revealed to concerning the end times and how we can get ourselves ready, uh, bring our minds and our whole spirit in line and in sync with the purposes of God concerning the end times. And so we have gone through the first church, and by the grace of God, we will endeavor to go into the second church this morning. So if you're joining me from home, God bless you. This is PRWC, Worcester, where the spirit of the Lord reigns. We are grateful that you have joined us, and we pray that today will be a blessing to you, not to you alone, but your entire family. So last week, we were able to conclude concerning the church of Ephesus, which scripture termed the loveless church. They got a whole lot of stuff going on for them, which God commended them for. But one thing that Jesus had a problem with was they have forgotten their first love. And therefore, the admonition was, remember where you have fallen from and go back, pick up, fetch, engage in. Your first love. We remember that what we were told were threefold. One, to remember. Two, to repent. And three, to produce or reproduce. Where we go back and do the things that we used to do when love was active, when love was tangible, when love was palpable in our lives. 
that is where God wants us to go back to. And I pray that by this time you have started that journey back home, even in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. This morning we want to go to the second church. And those of you that joined us, we're reading from Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2, and today we want to do verses 8 to 11. Revelations 2, 8 to 11. The word is persecution. 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 Few definitions here, even as we get ourselves ready to enter into the word of the Lord. Persecution, a hostility or ill treatment towards a person or groups of people, especially because of either their race, their religious or political beliefs. In other words, a hostile attitude, an ill treatment towards a person or people's who have a certain belief, and that belief can be characterized in whether their race, their lineage, their religious or political beliefs or aspirations. Another definition here says to harass or punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, or afflict because of one's belief. So you see the common denominator here is belief. Your worldview, your perception to life. What is it that makes you exist and keeps you going? And the word persecution here is, by definition, a harassment, a punishment that is engineered, designed in a manner that injures, grieves, or afflicts a person because of his or her beliefs. And I have a third definition of which I like better. And it's very simple. Persecution is suffering for what one believes in and stands for. Persecution is suffering for what one believes in and for that matter stands for. So just put these definitions at the back of your mind even as we go through the teachings this morning. Because that is all that the Lord wants to talk to you and I about. Now turn with me to our theme scripture for the second church. Revelations chapter 2, verse 8 to 11. Revelations 2, 8 to 11. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna, write... These things says the first and the last. We thank God for the revelation and the prophecy today. I am the first and the last. You may want to just put a yellow marker on there because that means everything that you and I are in relation to this person who is the first and the last, the beginning and the the end, the author and finisher of our faith and everything else in between. He is the one that is speaking to us this morning. These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Oh, hallelujah. I know your works, talking to the church of Smyrna. I know your tribulations and poverty, but you are rich in parentheses. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not. But our synagogue of Satan, that is a deep, deep, deep characterization of that group of people. Synagogue of Satan. <laughs> so Satan has his own church. Oh, Lord have mercy. Verse 10, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. This morning, church, do not fear what you're going through now, what you may be going through tomorrow. Do not fear. Oh, hallelujah. Do not fear. The things that which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you 
into prison. Boy, isn't it what we just heard in Revelation? I mean, the prophecy today? That, that's what, what God told us in prophecy. Unbearable. <laughs> The devil is about to throw some of you into prison and you may be tested. You may be tested. And you will have tribulations 10 days. But be faithful until death. Somebody look at your neighbor, whatever, how far you are to and says, bro, says, be faithful to the end. You might want to shout, he can't hear you. Be faithful to the end. And I will give you the crown of life, says the Lord. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Quick recap of what we just read and then we'll get into why this is so meaningful then and now. The church of Smyrna is which this prophecy was written to. Now, you may want to say it is even an epistle because it's a letter to the various seven churches in the form of a revelation through the Apostle John. The person that is speaking to you, O church, is the one who is the first and the beginning, the one who is the head of the church and the one who is going to glorify the church, the one who is the groom who would glorify the bride? I am the first and the end. And that's, as I said, if he is the first and the last, then everything from the, our beginning to our end, he's in control. He knows the end from the beginning and vice versa. What it means is whatever you're going through, I've already figured it out. Because I know how it's going to end. And the end thereof is going to glorify me. There is the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I was dead, but now I live, as it says. And the things that he says concerning the church in Smyrna are fewfolds. Now you realize that as we go through it, since we've already gone through one church, that this is the only church that God did not find fault with. That one. Because he's saying, I know your works. You're good. Perhaps as equally good as Ephesians. And I know the tribulations that you're going through. And I know your poverty. But even in your poverty, you are rich. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody, even in your poverty, the Lord says you are rich. Because we equate poverty to material acquisitions. But God looks at it at the power of your grace that has been conferred unto you. You are rich. And I know that people blaspheme against you and people are plotting against you. And even those who call themselves to be righteous happen to be members of the church of Satan. And all of them are against you. But I want you to know that do not fear. Because things will get worse, things will get hard, things will get difficult. You feel pressed. You feel squished. You feel that your rights may be taken away from you. But do not fear. All you got to do is be faithful until death. Because I will give you the crown of life. Listen. I know in our contemporary modern church, we don't speak about these things that much. Let me just reiterate, as a church, and as your father, as your pastor, as your big brother, whichever way you take me to be. If you're sitting in this church, a born-again Christian, Holy Ghost-filled, and your purpose in life is not getting to heaven, you have failed miserably. Let me repeat that. In the quest of all the things that we want. I want to get married. I want to get a better job. I want to get a house. I want to get all these blessings that are rightfully ours. That's true. But if your fundamental goal and zeal and purpose isn't that you want to go to heaven, you have failed miserably. Paul says you are the most pitiful amongst all men. If this is the only hope that we have. That is what God, through John, was trying to reveal to church in Smyrna. I know you are going through hard times. I know you're going through difficult times. But even if you don't get anything here, and if the whole world looks at you as you are poor, you, you guys are uneducated, you guys are not smart enough, you guys are some losers, know that in my sight, you are rich. Why? Because your very purpose in life is that you get to heaven where I will give you a crown of life. Oh, how many of us are waiting for the crown of life this morning? 
You better be wishing and have a passion for it. What do I gain if I get a whole world and lose my life eternal? Nothing, says scripture. That's exactly what God was telling the church in Smyrna and telling us this morning. Many of you will be put into jail, prison, and suffer. But be faithful until the end because I'm going to give you the crown of life. He who shall overcome shall not be hurt by the second death. Not going to the exegesis of second death today because it's going to take us too long. But what he's saying is there is a second death where is death eternal. Just as there is life eternal, there is death eternal. For those of us who are graced enough to be in his bosom will not suffer the second death. Now, let's get into why this is so relevant in Smyrna and in our time. History of Smyrna Church. A few minutes as we go through that. We already talked about Ephesus. Smyrna was very close to Ephesus. Now, you realize that all the seven churches were in a locality. I remember I said last couple of weeks that Apostle Paul was the, in our case, we will say the area head in our denomination of the whole area. So the area head of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. All right? So all these churches were scattered. PWC, Boston, Worcester Central, Rhode Island, Lowell, just like we have our system. And then Apostle John happens to be the overseer, bishop of all those churches in Asia Minor. And so Smyrna was about 40 miles from Ephesus. Now, in their days, they claimed to be what they called the glory of Asia. This was a beautiful city. They got a whole lot going on for them, right? The glory of Asia. And then the church itself was a multicultural church, put it that way, because it was filled with Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, everybody else was in there, even though the predominant population, of course, were Jewish. But everybody else was in the church. It makes me think of PRWC. Oh, hallelujah. But there was one thing that was going on in their era, what we call the emperor worship. Now, emperor worship was the fact that the Roman emperors, you may have done a little bit of history, Caesar, Augustus, Claudius, all those people, they didn't see themselves merely as kings or leaders, but they also saw themselves as deity. And so whether they are alive or dead, if they are dead, they put up a statue there. If they are still alive, they are the current deity. And people worshipped them. It wasn't enough to call them Mr. President. It wasn't enough to call them Caesar. You had to go the next extra mile of paying homage to them. Now, it started very slow, but history tells us it became the predominant culture because at that time, Rome was still in charge of the whole Asia Minor. The brothers who were Jewish managed to have some agreement, some deal, right? They knew people in high places, which they know all the time from Jesus' time. They have a way of having deals with Rome. So they got the better of the deal where they are able to do their worship as in sacrifices and all the things that we read in Leviticus and all that without any problem. But the brothers who were Christians, who no longer do any kind of worship as in we're going to cut a bull and we're going to do an ephah or flower, we're going to do a grain offering and all that kind of stuff, they got the brunt of it. And in order for our brothers the Jews, to have a good face with the Romans, what they did is occasionally, occasionally, they would just snitch on the brothers who were Christians. And so they would go and tell the Jews, oh, they are meeting in PRWC Worcester, five Blackstone Valley Road. Oh, they are meeting in Rhode Island. They are meeting here. So that the Romans could go and persecute. So when Jesus threw the test, I mean, the revelation according to John says, they are a synagogue of Satan. That's exactly what you were talking about. So in other words, instead of them acting religiously as they claim to be, they were actually being agents of the devil. Agents <laughs> of the devil. Right there in Smyrna, you realize that there are two temples. One for Augustus, one for Livia, who happens to be his wife. And so... Unlike any other place, Smyrna happens to be the place where the emperor worship was at its peak. 
And so you can imagine the persecution was also at its peak, big time. People were burned alive. People were crucified upside down, left to right. People were put on what they call a bed of spikes. People were sawn into pieces. Just because unless you deny whatever you believe in called Christianity and come and swear an oath to emperor worship, what they call the genius of Caesar, you die. That is what we call persecution. Now, it's amazing that in our contemporary United States of America Christendom, where we can sit in an air-conditioned room and we can all have good music and all that, the little slightest thing happens to Christians and we term it persecution. Oh, no, church. This is persecution. This is persecution. When you can leave your home without swearing an oath to some emperor as a deity. Not only that, but denying Christ. That is persecution. The name is Polycarp. Write that name down. Polycarp. P-O-L-Y-C-A-R-P. P-O-L-Y-C-A-R-P. Brother Polycap happens to be the bishop of Smyrna during that time. Served the Lord for many, 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 many years, even in his old age. In those days, they didn't have retirement services. You could serve as you want, as long as God grants you the grace. The brother has served for a very long time and still serving, even at his old age. And when people began to be persecuted and killed and murdered and all that. Scripture says, I mean, church history says, it pleased not only the Romans, but some of the Jews that wanted Christianity to shut. Now, there are two reasons that they had. The fact is, they believed that Christianity was growing too fast. Even their own kids, whom they were training to become the next, I don't know, rabbi or whatever, now is going to join Christianity. One, two. They were so angry in their spirit that Christianity happens and seemingly preaches a very easy way of salvation. We had to go and meet all these requirements. We got to go through all these rituals. We got to go through all these sacrifices. And you guys are saying, just believe in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you're saying, no, 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 that's too easy. And so to them, they have two motives. The people are pulling our folks. If we don't take care, it's going to be a time where there's nobody going to be in the synagogue. We've got to get rid of these guys. That was their interest. And two, the fact that the message itself about Christ was abhorrent to them. Back then, they called Christians atheists. <laughs> Think about it. Because the only person that you ought to believe if you are living in Smyrna as a deity is Caesar. But brothers who were Jews had managed to have a deal with them, as I said. So when people were being persecuted, talking about Christians, not only were they being persecuted for not worshiping the Lord, but if you're a Christian and you had a business, it was shut. If you were a Christian and you knew that you were selling in downtown Worcester, they would come and just break all your stuff. So when scripture says in that um, um, revelation according to Jonah says, though you are poor, he was talking about your physical poverty, but in my sight, you are rich. And it was true, the church was poor. Because they couldn't worship, not only that, but they couldn't do business unless you denounce the fact that you're a Christian and follow some political party or follow some whatever. We'll come home. We'll bring it home. I'm just laying down the foundation for the history. They said, we don't need these little boys anymore. We don't need them killing members and deacons. We want the bishop himself. So let's go find Polycarp. History has it that when the church realized that the Romans were looking for Polycarp, just like all my executives would do, they're looking for pastor to go hide me somewhere, won't you, guys, won't you? Yeah, they will. <laughs> so they did the same thing. But it got to a point where Polycarp says, you know what, I'm not going to run again. Let me just, let me, I will stay here. 
And then the amazing thing is when the Roman soldiers finally came and found him after they've tortured some people to tell them who and where he was, he feeds them, <laughs> prepares food for them, and they eat. And then he tells them, just give me one hour. I just want to go do my last one-hour prayer. He gets upstairs to do one-hour prayer. One-hour prayer turns into two hours prayer. And he comes back, and the people that are about to arrest him are just perplexed, like, ah. Why are we killing this old man? He's done nothing wrong. Except we came, he fed us. He went upstairs, he's feeding, I mean praying. Why should we do that? But back in the days, if Caesar says, go get X, that's it. Can't question that. And so they bring Polycarp to the stadium. As some of you may have watched movies, the same exact thing. Those were the days where they fed Christians to beasts, to lions. They'll throw them in the arena and the lion will just devour them. Question, Mr. Polycarp, Bishop, we know you're old. You just need to be relaxing and taking care of your grandkids. Just denying Christ. Just say that you are pledging allegiance to the genius of the Emperor Caesar, and we'll let you go. He says, no. They're like, well, we're going to feed you to the lions. He says, fine, go ahead, do it. He says, well, then we're going to burn you with the fire. He says, oh, yeah, bring it on. And this is what an 86-year-old man, after being threatened, says. I quote, this is Polycarp's. For 86 years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? That was his last word. I don't know how much you have come to know Christ. For 30 years, for 35 years, I have known him and I've served him. What persecution would cause me to deny this Christ when he has done me no wrong? As opposed to an emperor who constantly persecutes me. Was what Polycarp has said. Let it sink into your spirit, church. How many times have we gone to a juncture where we begin to think, do I go X or do I go Y? And which one pleases the Lord as opposed to which one pleases me, my friends, and society? Think about it. Here's an 86-year-old man. Served him for 86 years. He says, no way. Now, the story goes that they wanted to pin him on a stick, because that's what they do. They pile a bunch of wood, and then they, they put you on a stick. Either they tie you, or they nail you to it, and then set the fire. So the fire is set. The reason why they tie you, and they paint, I mean, they, they nail you to the thing is, they, in their mind, in their perverted, wicked, malicious mind, they think that will give you comfort, because then you can move, and you die quickly. And then he tells them, no, don't tie me up. The one who is able to deliver me from fire will be able to help me endure this fire. They put him in the fire, and then miraculously, a wind blows. And he's got a fire burning up, because usually that's what it does. And just, you know, burning him quickly. A wind blows, and then the fire turns into an arc. So instead of going this way, it turns into an arc. So half of his body is not even being touched by the fire. And then the people who are looking amazed that this old man is not dying the proconsul orders one of the guards and says, go and stab him. And he went and stabs him right in the heart. The account says that the blood that oozed out of an 86-year-old man's heart quenched all the fire around him. But he was already gone to be with the Lord. Just because... Of a simple utterance that I pledge allegiance to the genius of Caesar. Talk about persecution in your days. No, we haven't faced anything. You haven't faced nothing yet. Talk about people giving their lives for the faith in which they believe in. Sitting here in Worcester in your contemporary place, you watching me live stream. No, you haven't seen persecution yet. I haven't seen that yet either. 
But what the Lord is trying to tell us this morning is if people have done that, then in our comfort zone here, church, we could do better. Even in the midst of persecution, if they stood their grounds in faith, never relented, never gave up, never denied Christ, persevered with the faith in which they've come to believe. You sit in your couch this morning watching me. Says, bro, you can do much better. This is the end time church. And somewhere, somehow, we've stayed irrelevant. We speak the same language they speak. We talk the same talk they talk. We wear the same dress they wear. We act the same way they do. Why? Because we just want to blend in. That little shame that your friends will tell you that, whoa, sis, you look weird. Because of that, you put on that dress that they all put on. You call that persecution? May the Lord have mercy on us. Oh, I said, may the Lord have mercy on us. Now, this series is meant to challenge us, church, and to challenge me myself. That we can do way better. I look back and I listen to my grandfathers and my uncles who were pastors before I, and I'm like, boy, how were you able to do it? And I'm sitting here in Worcester sometimes complaining, Jesus Christ. How were you able to do it for 40 years in that village with 30 assemblies to take care of? How were the members able to walk down every night for all night services? Full, packed, that you didn't have any place for them to be. And you are sitting in your room, get on Zoom, get on Twitter, and you just don't want to do it. Then you call yourself the believer of the modern contemporary world. May the Lord challenge us to do better than they did. To do better than they did. We walked on foot 40 miles. Just to preach to the next town. You can sit in your Toyota Corolla and drive just 15 minutes. Yet we don't. So the prophecy says, I know your tribulation. I know what you're going through. All I'm asking you is don't be afraid. Endure. Because there's a crown awaiting for those who endure. This morning, are you going to Endure. You're going to take that one hour to intercede for the church. You're going to take that one hour to pray for that sister that just lost a brother. That is in deep. You're going to wake up at 12 a.m. and just pray 30 minutes. You're going to just sit down and read scripture just so that you can know him better and have an intimate relationship with him. That's a challenge for us this morning. Now, we may say... That yes, in our country there may be some persecution. But all the persecution that I have seen here is the biggest thing in political blocks, religious rights. But even if that's the case, nobody comes to your door and pull you out of your bedroom and shoot you because you're a Christian. Nobody does that, at least in the United States. In some part of our countries in Africa, the other day I was watching, I think somebody had posted on Facebook, in Nigeria and those places, that is persecution. When Christian girls are in their school and somebody just walks in and just picks them up and either kills them, burns them, or takes them as hostages. You can do better. We can do better. And it's my prayer that as we go through these revelations of the seven churches, we don't sit in our couchy, comfy area and claim to be Christians when the substance thereof is missing. Philippians 1, 19, 21. Let's read something. Philippians 1, 19 to 21. This is Apostle Paul, who himself knows what persecution is about, because he himself was a master persecutor. And now he finds himself on the other side of the equation, sitting in jail in Rome, right into the church in Philippi. Philippians 1, 19 to 21. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Talking about the fact that he's praying and hoping that he would be released from prison. According to my earnest expectation and hope that it's that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with boldness, as always, 
So now also Christ may be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. This is a man that does not know what's going to happen to him the next day because he's in prison. And within just a few seconds, Caesar can say, crucify that brother. Check 21 out. For to me, <laughs> to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Let that sink into your consciousness. I want you to consciously look at that. Not emotionally. Consciously. This is a man who is in prison. Doesn't know what's going to happen to him. And now he's come to the resolve within himself. After all that he's done for God through Christ Jesus. He's saying, even if nothing happens and I'm not released. To me, at this point in my life, if I live... I live for Christ. And if I were to die, it is gain to me. Why? Because there's a crown of life waiting for me. Oh, how I wish we could say that not emotionally, but consciously as believers. We're praying that the Spirit of God will propel us to the level where we don't become just this softy Christians, I call them. Softy. Somebody pinched you a little bit. You're mad. I've stopped. I'm not coming to church. You had a little dialogue with a sister and he or she, a brother or, 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 or somebody, and he or she raised his voice a little bit. You're pissed. You're not coming to church anymore. COVID hits. Yes, we are all struggling. No, I don't, no, no come on, man. You probably sit there and say, oh, you got to use common sense, guys. You got to use common sense. Some of you, that's your justification. Oh, yeah, I know that there's common sense, but wisdom comes from above. This is the man saying, not that I want you to go and take your mask off and go kiss everybody that has COVID. That's not what I'm saying. The spirit behind what this guy is saying is, I have a purpose to live. And if that purpose is over and he calls me home, it's gain. What purpose are you fulfilling now that you are alive? In verse 27 to 29, he continues the same scripture, Philippians 1, this time 27 to 29. Admonishing the church in Philippi, as he is admonishing us also this morning. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. In your suffering, in your tribulation, in your difficult times, in whatever it is that you're going through on campus, when friends are laughing at you and making fun of you, in your communities, when people say, come on, man, that jeans is too buggy. You get a ripped jeans. Whatever it is that you feel is persecution to you. He's saying, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What would Jesus do in your circumstance? Is the question. So that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, in one mind. Striving together. Church holding one another's hand. And going through this together. Not in a judgmental way, but in a loving way. And so says, you can do it. Striving together. Let me jump to 29. For to you. <laughs> Somebody say, for to you. You may want to make it personal. For me. Oh, you're not saying it. Say, for me. It has been granted on behalf of Christ. Not only to believe in him, but also to what? Suffer for his sake. He's a man in prison. And I'm saying his suffering is nothing compared to what we call suffering in a contemporary world. But the apostle had come to a resolve. That for Christ's sake, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to do things that will displease him. I'm not going to do things that will bring reproach to the name of the Lord. I'm going to stand for Christ Jesus. Yes, people can laugh me all day one. People can ridicule me all day one. People can shun me all that they want. If you're a young man, woman listening to me, this is your resolve this morning. Don't listen to what they say. You are special, unique, created for a big purpose. Walk in them. First Peter 4, 12, 19. We're wrapping up. We're wrapping up. Stay with me. First Peter. If you're going to suffer... Don't make any suffering attributed to the sake of God. 
He went stealing. Don't come and say, because I, I did God's bidding, I'm suffering. No, you suffer because you stole. You went after somebody's wife and the husband got mad and chased you and shot you. Bro, it's not about Christ. It's about you. Oh, hello? Uh, am I speaking to somebody this morning? In other words, don't make everything that you do and say, so I did it in, 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 in Christ's stead. No, you did not. It was out of your own selfish ambition and unrepented heart. So Peter is telling us, 4, 12 to 19. Read through it quickly. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you. Also talking about the same thing that you are going through or will be going through. As though some strange thing is happening to you. In other words, when trials and tribulations come, when persecutions come, don't be too amazed. It, it's part of the journey. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. 14. If you are reproached, that word is an old English word. If you are put to shame, if you are laughed at, if you are ridiculed at. If you are reproached for the name of Christ. Be blessed or blessed are you. For the spirit of the glory and of God rests upon you. And on their part it is blasphemed, but in yours it is glory. Verse 15 is where I want to hone home. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. If you go kill somebody, don't say I killed for Christ. You didn't. Don't steal. Don't be suffering because you're a thief. Don't be suffering because you're an evildoer. Don't be suffering because you're a busybody in other people's business. You're all in people's business. Tweeting and sharing and doing all stuff in all other people's business. When people start railing against you, it's not because you were doing it for Christ. You were doing it for your own selfish ambitions. That is not persecution. That is in the name of Christ. 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, key word, as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come that judgment begins where? In the house of God. And it begins with us first. If it begins with us first, then what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? 18, now, if the righteous one it's scarcely saved. Where would the ungodly and the sinners appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. That's the word for us, church. So even as we conclude and bring it home, what is John through his revelation telling the Smyrna church and telling us? We'll go through trials. We'll go through tribulations. As a matter of fact, if everybody likes you in this world, it means you must be doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Think about it. It means you don't have a stand. You, you, you please group A and you please group B and you please everybody else in between. You just want to be a pleaser. You don't have a stand. But if you really want to stand for Christ... And manifest his grace, not upon yourself, but even unto others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you have some people who just will be plain haters. That's it. You, you're cute, you're smart, but they just hate you for the fact that you just stand for righteousness. So, John is telling us, if that were to happen, because you're suffering for the sake of Christ. One, do not fear. This morning, do not fear. Oh, Hallelujah. It says, do not fear any of those things which are about to happen to you. That is verse 10 of Revelation 2. Number two, he's affirming the fact that indeed the devil will put some of us in jails and in prisons. Now, you may be thinking about it in a physical sense, but it could even be mental. Some of you are in a conundrum right now. You don't know which way to turn, what decisions to make, because that, 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 that offer looks so good. But then your, your spirit 
which is connecting to the spirit of God says, mm -mm -mm. as a child of God, yes, I know they're giving you that six figures, but that job, mm -mm -mm -mm. So he says, yes, some of you may be put in that tight corner. Verse 3, you may be put in tribulation. Number 4, if all these things were happening, be faithful unto death. Oh, put your hand on your spirits here, your inner man, and say, my soul, be faithful to the end. Oh, say with passion, my soul, be faithful to the end. One more time, my soul, be faithful to the end. Why? Because there's a promise. I will give you the crown of life. Church, we may be looked down upon here. We may be looked as poor here. We may be looked as unwise and weird and stupid sometimes here. But boy, in the sight of God, we are rich. Let that ginger you up, somebody. So that you don't sit here and blend in just wanting to belong. No, we are different. We are royal priesthood, holy nation, God's own special people called to proclaim his praise. That's us. We are the church, the pillar of truth. And lastly, he admonishes us. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. If I lose everything here on earth, I told my wife one time, and I also lose going to heaven, I am the most hopeless person that ever lived. Useless. Could have just chilled and had all the fun that everybody else is doing, and if I go to hell, at least I can say, oh yeah, perhaps I chilled when I was on earth. But if I want to stay sanctified with the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit living in me and doing the work of the Lord, and then I miss heaven on top of it. What a waste. What a waste. I pray that every member, everybody listen to the voice, of my sound of my voice. Let heaven be your goal. Let heaven be your goal. If you're a Christian and that's not your passion, sis, we need to pray. Bro, we just got to pray. The God will get your mind and focus back on the fact that heaven is our goal. Heaven is our goal. Because that then will give you purpose. In whatever you do, in whichever place you find yourself, he who overcomes shall not be hurt. In conclusion, in your persecution, stand for the Lord. In your affliction, rejoice in the Lord. In your shame, let him be your delight. For 86 years I have served him. He has not done me wrong. How can I blaspheme and deny my king and my savior, says Polycarp. That is our resolve this morning, Lord Jesus. For how many years we've served you. For how many years you have loved us. You have not done us any wrong. Even when we messed up, you still draw us in and blesses us. How can we blaspheme against you? How can we deny you in our little uncomfortable situations? Which is nothing compared to what our forefathers went through. Grant us grace. That we'll be able to stand faithful. Until the end. Rise up. Even as we pray. Let a word sink into your spirit for a minute somebody. We are the church. The extension of the kingdom of God right here on earth. This is who we are. And if we give our identity up in spite of whatever we may be going through, we lose that grace, that power, that unction that has been given to us. Let it sink in. He's speaking to you, somebody. Just take your time. You know where you are right now. You know which situation, which corner the enemy seems to push you and pin you. You know it. The Lord is saying this morning, just shake yourself out. 
Even if it means losing that job, even if it means losing that friend, even if it means that you are no longer part of that group, as long as it's for the glory of the Lord, do it. Because you were not called to blending, you were called as a transforming agent. A church cannot possess nations when we blend in. We can't. Open your mouth and begin to bless the name of the Lord, somebody. Just thank him, thank him, thank him. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining in every day. to me right now. God is right there next to you. Holding your hands and pulling you through whatever you're going through. Don't give up. Don't give up. Never ever give up. 
You were created for a purpose to glorify the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. You don't like anybody else. Don't give up. We pray for the spirit of endurance. Whatever you may be going through this morning, may God grant you the spirit of endurance. That you don't relent, you don't give up, you don't quit. But you will run your race. Oh, run your race with endurance. Jesus is up there, right there, at the end of that tunnel, at the end of that mark, waiting for you and say, welcome home, well done. Don't give up. You will go through that situation. You will go through that tribulation. You will go through that problem. In the name of Jesus, lift up a prayer for the spirit of endurance. pursuit to know you more. May we not relent. Yes, tribulations will come. Tough times will come. Some of us, we're going through it even right now. Some of us just got out of one, perhaps going into another one. But in all things, we know that you will work all things together, together, working behind the scenes for the good of those who love you. We are praying, mighty God, for the spirit of endurance. Grant us grace enough to say 86 years I have served him. 86 years he has not done me wrong. Why then would I deny and blaspheme against my king and my savior? Grant us the same resolve and the boldness and the courage that when we are confronted with the ills of this world, we will stand and choose Christ. When we are tempted by our friends and our colleagues, when the systems of this world begin to invade us, we will stand and say no to them and say yes to Christ. Even in the name of Jesus, we will not compromise, O oh God, knowing that you have a crown of life waiting for us. Cause us to have a heavenly mindset, a heavenly mindset, a heavenly mindset. Because that is who you have called us to be and that's a promise you have given us. Above all, we lift the entire church universal unto you. Pray that we will truly manifest the true image of Christ Jesus in every situation we find ourselves. Pray for all pastors and bishops and leaders that they will not just come compromise with the things that are going on, but will stand for truth. Because this place, it is the pillar of truth. We are the church. Cause us to do that and fulfill your purpose. In the name of Jesus. You listen to me. You haven't accepted the Lord as your Savior. You're going through difficulties, trials, and tribulations. There is peace in Him. All you need to do is come. Just as you are. Welcome home. And He will cause you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death because He is with you. Just say this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for saving me. This morning I come to you as a sinner. Knowing that my sins caused you to be hung on that tree. I confess you as my Lord, my Master, and my Savior. Come into my heart. Live in me. Dwell in me. 
and give me the strength to endure so that I also would have the crown of life in the end days. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we bless you. We give you praise. Continue to have your way in the midst of your people that you will have all glory to take at the end of it all. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Shall we shout a big amen? Amen. Thank you once again for joining us. We pray that you were blessed. Click on the other episodes to continue on this journey with us. Don't forget to share and follow this podcast. God bless you.